Well, we've got a little bit of time here. And, uh, and of course, today I have like four pages of notes, which is a lot for me. Um, but the last few times that I've preached, I've been preaching on what are the attributes of a New Testament church? An attribute being the characteristics of a New Testament church. And, and what does that look like? I mean, we've talked about, well, there's salvations, and there's a supernatural aspect, and there's, um, I forget the other one. I mentioned the third one. Last time, though, we talked about salvation. So, and we've seen salvations. Praise the Lord. People are being saved. We heard last week that from Philip Mutzelberg, who joined us, that around the world, there's more lives being added to the kingdom today than at any other time ever. Now, we may not be seeing that here in, in our midst, but it's happening. And so we can praise God for that. Today, I want to talk about now what? So I've been saved, so now what? The thing I've been impressed about or, or it's been on my heart over the last uh, several weeks and even beyond, even longer than that, is that I see so many believers today struggling still with the same things that those that are non-believers struggle with. What, what is it that sets us apart? My, my title is, is, uh, was, I changed it, it was Salvation Now What? It used to be Salvation Set Apart. And, but what happens is in order to be set apart, shouldn't we be different? If, if, if in life we were experiencing issues before salvation, shouldn't the issues after salvation seem different? And in many ways, we don't necessarily see that. Maybe you have in your life, and, and you've continued to see God's hand at work in your life. But now what? I think that uh, my heart aches for those that are struggling with, with anxiety and depression and, and just, uh, in many ways, just being overwhelmed, unable to cope. Today we heard in our songs that... Uh, Trading My Sorrows. Uh, what was the next song? Uh, oh, it was a good one. We should sing that one at the end. Um, I wrote it down. Everlasting God. Wait upon the Lord. That's it. We come to the cross, then what? We are to live a resurrected life, but how can my life still looks like or at times feels like my old life? What is it that keeps us from being able to stand up strong in faith, daily in Christ? Ask yourself that question. What is it that keeps you being able to stand strong in Christ daily? There's Sunday, but then there's Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. What is it that keeps you from being able to stand up strong in Christ? We know we, know we are to be strong in the faith and in demonstrating a good, right, righteous life, but we struggle. What can be done? In your Bibles, that's why the screen's, part of the reason the screen's not there, is, is in your Bibles, and I understand you might have an electronic Bible, but I'd have you turn to Acts chapter 14. There's Bibles also in the chairs around you, underneath the seat. But if you could, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 14, I'm sorry, Acts 14. Acts... 14 is where we're going to be reading today. And, and here's one of the primary scriptures I want you to get real quick. Acts 14, 15. This is the New Living Translation. It says, friends, why are you doing this? 
We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. We're going to read through this, and I want you to stick with me, and we're going to be moving quick, so hang on. Look at your neighbor and tell him, hang on. Now tell him to hold tight. All right, so we're going to start reading through this. I'm going to stick with the New Living Translation. In verse 1, the same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. Some of the Jews, however, spurned God's message and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. But the apostles stayed there a long time, preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord, and the Lord proved their message was true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion about them. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. When the apostles learned of it, they fled to the region of Lycaonia, to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding areas. And there they preached the good news. Here's my point. Gospel preached and many the gospel was preached, and many came to believe. We read that at the beginning of that section. But then what? Some rejected the message. You'll see in verse 2, some rejected the message. Verse 2 also says they poisoned the minds of the Gentiles. Maybe you've been saved, but then what? This poisoning of their minds, in a sense, was to embitter them, to make them bitter and resentful so they could no longer hear the life-giving word. See, the enemy crept in, found a point of weakness in this community where, where there was, and the weakness was this, it was disunity. It was a rejecting of the word, and a rejecting of the word in our lives will bring an embitterness, will become, we'll find ourselves uh, uh, at against one another or even at against ourselves. It made them resentful. This ultimately led to division that became violent against these disciples. And because of that, the good news no longer could be heard and therefore could no longer remain and had to move on to another place. So the question is this, is, okay, you've been saved, then what? When we reject the word of the Lord, we leave the door open for bitterness. Yes, when we are saved and we accept the fact that he died on the cross and he resurrected again, and we believe that. We're also to believe that in our lives. But when we reject the word that comes to us that says now we ought to be discipled and we ought to develop some discipline in our lives, what will happen is if we don't hear the word, then it will move on and we'll be stuck in our place and we won't be able to grow in our faith. So don't reject the word. When we reject the word, when we reject the word of the Lord, we leave the door open for bitterness and resentfulness to poison our soul and minds. This attitude leads to division in our lives, in our homes, in our church and churches, in our communities. When division took hold to a place, to, to even a point of violence, then the gospel had to move on because it could not be received there. As I was reading this, I thought, Lord, I do not want to have resentfulness or bitterness. I don't want to be a Christian that's not believing 
that all you say is true. I don't want to reject any aspect of your word, Lord. I want to accept it for all that it is because I don't want division in my life or in the aspects of my life that I am involved with. I want to know that you are there and I am receiving your word and listening to it because I don't want, for one, the good news, the life-giving word to move on from my life. Where the good news is there is an open door to freedom by faith. I want that. Who wants an open door to freedom over the things of, of our lives that we talked about earlier, laying down our, those things that are, that are overburdening us? We want freedom, but it must come by faith. Do you guys remember... I, I remember it as a teenager, as a child. They had a game out there. It was a toy, not a game. It was a toy. It was called Sit and Spin. Come on. Am I the only one that knows what a Sit and Spin is? Is it Because it is a little older. It was this round thing that was big enough for a child to sit on and cross their legs, and it had a wheel in the middle. And you would sit in there, and you'd spin the wheel, and you'd go around in circles. You would sit and spin. Therefore, the name. It was a really cool Cool toy. Well, I was thinking about this toy as I was studying this message. I actually was going to see if I could find one and bring it in, but then I ran out of time. Let me continue on, and I'm going to go, keep in mind, sit and spin. Hold on to sit and spin. Everybody say sit and spin. Where the good news, there is an open door to freedom by faith. But we must sit and listen. We must sit and listen. Let's continue on, and we'll sh- shift over to this version here. Verse 7. Again, we read, And there they continued to preach the gospel. Not in the place that it was rejected, but in the next place that they went. And in this next place at, Lystra, or at Lystra, Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled or lame from birth. And had never walked, he listened to Paul speaking. And Paul looked intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. He sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in in the Lyconian uh, language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priests of Zeus, whose temple was close by at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifices to them. Why must we sit and listen? When one sits and listens to the word of life, The cross 
and the resurrection message, we will find, in that we will find faith. Here in verse uh, verse 8 and 9, now it's where we find the man that's sitting, lame from birth. And in walks Paul and Barnabas, and as they're sharing this message of, of resurrection and of salvation, as he's listening intently, what happened within him is his faith began to grow and develop to the point that when, when the Holy Spirit directed Paul to the man and Paul looked intently at the man, he knew that the faith was in him to rise up and walk because the Holy Spirit had moved and had stirred him up. But how did the lame man get there? I stop and I consider the lame man. Sometimes we are like the lame man. We, we, we are inactive. We cannot do things because of things in our lives. Maybe it is of oppression or depression or anxiety or failures or guilt or shame. What are the things that make us lame in our lives that keep us from being able to stand up and serve? And what I've learned from reading this and what the Holy Spirit was revealing to me in this time, that man's reality was that he was lame. He could not move on. And in his mind, that was it. And so he did not have the faith. He had the abundance of faith that he was lame. But he lacked faith that he could stand up. But then he sat and listened. He didn't sit and spin. Sometimes that's what we tend to do as Christians. I've heard it before. I used to say, man, it's hard to hear my dad preach because I've heard him talk my whole life. And then at times I, I used to say, it's like listening to the teacher on the Peanuts cartoon. You know, the teacher that goes, wah, 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 That's all I could hear was wah, 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 wah. But some, what that was is I was sitting and spinning. I wasn't focusing my attention on what was being said. Sometimes we got all kinds of madness going on in life. And for us men, what do we like to do? We like to go to, and we, some of us have seen this video where the man goes to his nothing box, where he literally can think of nothing and he can check out. Well, sometimes we like to find ways to check out from our situations, and we want to just sit and spin where, where there is, there's no focus on anything. If anything, we're losing focus entirely because we're spinning. And, and then when we try to stand up, we can't even stand up straight because we've been spinning our wheels and doing nothing that's of any value. But this man, in his lame ways, in his lame position, where he was stuck and unable to move, sat and listened. There's so much that we can, be, that we can learn by just sitting and listening. I, we heard the word today that Wanda had brought about, you know, find someone. If you're having issues, find someone and go to them and say, I'm struggling, and then sit and listen. Because if you'll take time not to sit and blab, not to sit and spin, not to proclaim all your issues, we're good at that. Here's my problem. Let me tell you all about it. Now it's your problem and my problem will go our way. That's not what this is about. He didn't, when, when Paul looked at him, the lame man didn't say, well, I've been lame for all this period of time and it's really hard. I can't do certain things. And boy, this stinks because you know what this person said to me and what that person said to me? And you know what? It's really bothering. He did not sit in his misery. He sat and listened and when he sat and listened and Paul called him out, what did Paul tell him to do? He said, stand up. Ooh, wait a second. I've been lame. 
What does that even mean, stand up? Who here has been so stuck in your same issues for so long that when someone says, get over it, you're like, huh? What do you mean? That's who I am. In fact, I've been telling you this is who I am. But no, I want you to stop for a minute. Sit and listen to what God is doing through the people that are around you and what he's telling you. Sit and listen to what he's been telling you through his word. And in that time of sitting and listening, guess what will begin to happen? Your faith will begin to grow. And as your faith grows and someone like Paul cries out to the, to the lame man and says, stand up, you get to this point where you, it's almost like, I, I, I liken it to, and this isn't it, but I liken it to almost adrenaline. It's before we go into a, a ball game and the coach is getting us all ramped up and, and ready to go and we might be half the size of the opposing team, but we're going to go out and do it. And so when Paul yells at him and says, stand up, the faith within him was like, yes, and he jumped up and he leaped because he sat and listened. He took time to let the faith grow within him. Let's not sit and spin. Let's sit and listen. When we are stuck, lame, fearfully paralyzed, or overcome by anxiety or embittered, apathetic, empty, even numb in life, we can know that in his presence, we can come alive. When we have no strength to stand, then sit and listen. We must sit and listen. We need to develop our faith in that which is the unseen. See, the issue that came later on is, is the people that saw what happened to the man, what they believed in was these gods, these man-made gods, Zeus and Hermes. That was real to them. It was something they saw. It's something that they were involved with all the time. But we as believers are called to believe in the unseen. They were forced to, but they were confused. This is what happens in our own life, is that we're forced to believe in the unseen. But yet we want to rely on what we know. What in your life is, is hold, well, sometimes what holds us back in life is that we always go to what we know, not to the one that wants us to know him. I think of this in our finances, in our health, in the workplace. I was sharing with someone recently that he doesn't want us to pursue success. He doesn't want us to pursue jobs. He doesn't want us to pursue marriage. He doesn't want us to pursue friends. He doesn't want us to pursue any of that. God does not want you to pursue any of it. He wants you to pursue him. Why? Because he wants to give you that. Somebody, I used to struggle saying thank you. Because I struggled with people saying good job. I felt funny when they'd say good job. And what I really needed to say was thank you. Why? Because I was thankful for the fact that they told me good job and I wanted to return in a like manner. And by genuinely thanking them for taking time out to say good job. 
God wants you to give him the opportunity to show you how much he truly cares for you. Don't rob that from God. In fact, pursue as you will. But I will tell you what you gain will be will be will pale in comparison to what God has for you. You can settle for your pursuit or pursue him and take on all that he has for you. Pursue him with everything. It's tough. I know. Because tomorrow will face us and then we'll be back at the pursuit again of life. But if you'll take time before the day starts, whether it be tonight or tomorrow morning, to just stop, sit, listen, pursue him, and let him bring it to you. See, the local people there, they were distracted by what they knew. And because of their distraction, they were unable to believe. They wanted to worship the man and not the God, not our God. They were unable to pursue him because they were too busy pursuing man. They were missing out, and they didn't know it. They understood that they needed to sacrifice to a God. We all understand that, too. We just tend to sacrifice to the flesh a lot. What are some ways that we sacrifice to the flesh? Think about your time. Where is your time spent? That's the big one. Where do we spend all our time? We sacrifice to gods all the time. That's what they were doing. And you'll see later that that they miss out big time. In fact, they nearly killed the messenger that was there to bring life. And not just any life, but a life more abundant for them. They were sacrificing but they were sacrificing to the wrong God. They weren't hearing the message that there was only one true God. We as believers must have faith in the unseen because faith in the seen is worthless. Are you living a life of worth? A life of worth is one that is is like a true believer. As we read in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we live by believing and not by seeing. And a true believer in 1 Peter 1, 8, 9 says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Think about your salvation experience and how it was interesting. I've heard over and over again how people will come to church and they're just like, it feels funny around here. Well, that funny is a good thing. That's the Holy Spirit. And, and it's real. It is a real experience. You, you've, you've asked him in your heart and, it, and everything it's different. It's like the scales fall off my eyes, and I can see differently. That is a real and genuine experience. Who's experienced that? It, and you were saved, and it was different, and you knew it was real. First Peter 1.8 says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Well, how can you love him? Because it was real even though I didn't see him. It was genuine because the Spirit came alive in me, and the Spirit just was one again with him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Now, lack of belief can cause the good news or the word of life to leave us in our place. 
if we continue to try to trust in him based on what we know and what we see, or let's, let me rephrase that. If we continue to trust in things that we know and things that we see, then the word of life and the, and the abundant living that he has available for you in trusting in something that is unseen will leave you in the place that you're at. If you cannot receive what he has for you in an unseen God, you'll be left in the place you're at. There's a battle over faith. And the battle over faith is, destructed, is distracted life living. Who lives a distracted life? We all do. Every day we're distracted by something. You can wake up in the morning, reach over and grab your phone and turn on Facebook and wipe away a half hour of your time if you so choose. Or every moment we sit, we, we, aren't, we aren't the perfect household by any means, but it's quite often that we'll sit down as a family to watch TV and we'll turn on the show and we all look on our phones until the next commercial. Then we fast forward and then turn the show back on and go back to our phones. We don't really watch TV. It's time out to sit and spin. That's what we do. Because life is all about distractions anymore. And if we can be so distracted that we don't focus our, our, our thoughts upon an unseen God that loves us beyond the world, then we won't experience what he has for us. And then what happens in, in the case of these people, the, the word of life had to move on. In fact, it got so ugly there and, 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 and so tumultuous that they started to stone Paul to the point where they believed he was dead. And, and then the believers that were still strong in the Lord came around him, and as they were standing around him, he came and stood back, to, stood back up, and, and they took him back in the city for a few days until he moved on. This, we're, I'm, I'm trying to skip ahead because we're out of time. There is a battle over distracted living. But there is something that I want you to grab hold of. If you've been saved and you, and you know it and you've experienced it and you believe that it was a real experience, and then the now what? Well, the now what is this. Sit and listen. The sit and listen is called discipleship. Discipleship is teaching. You need to be taught. You need to know what it is to be a believer. You, you must know. And, and it's the distraction that has crept into the Christian life that has kept us from walking, being able to walk fully with all the strength that he has for us. I, I look at a bunch of weak believers at times. I'm not talking about you specifically, maybe. But, but there's a lot of weak believers out there because they got saved, but then they sat and spun. They didn't get to this place of discipleship learning and growing and developing a walk and developing a voice. Discipleship teaching, the teaching process is critical to building faith. If you lack in faith but you are saved, maybe it's time to be discipled. It's time to strengthen your faith by sitting and listening. Discipling leads to strength, encouragement, and a disciplined life. In, in verse 22, it said... Uh, Skipping ahead, the Jew, I'm going to read quickly. Man, we're out of time. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. 
But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered into the city. On the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. They left. The word had to move on. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Now, verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Verse 22. Discipling leads to strength, encouragement, and a disciplined life. To be strengthened and encouraged in faith, you must be disciplined. We must endure to enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to be easy. Hebrews 12, 11 through 13. Hear this. No, dis- no discipline is enjoyable, amen, while it is happening. Who likes to be disciplined? It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those, those who are trained in this way. Somebody said, I can't wait to go to church today and hear a life-giving message. And what you got when you got here today is you need to be disciplined. That's the life-giving message. I don't want to go to church. It's all about don't do this, don't do that. No, it's... It's, there's, listen to what it said here. The second part of verse 11 says, afterward there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Isn't it about having a peaceful life? Isn't that what you want now, knowing that in eternity you're going to be with him, but for now, don't you want a peaceful life? A peaceful life of right living? So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Faith is keeping our sight on the harvest and not on the work. Keep your your sight on the harvest and not on the work. It will be work. It will be dis- disciplined. But the harvest is this. It's peace. Peace comes, from harvested, comes harvested from a life of right living, planted in the ways of the Lord. Are you stuck, lame, fearfully paralyzed, or overcome by anxiety, or embittered, apathetic, empty, even numb in life? You can know that when we sit and listen in His presence, we can come alive in faith as He opens the door. Later on, they, re- they report back of the mission work that they were doing. And it talks about how the, God opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. He opened the door of faith to the Gentiles because they sat and they listened. Some rejected, but the ones that received found abundance of peace and right living. Acts 14. Well, I just said it. We won't read it again. That's in Acts 14, verse 27. You that since you are struggling in faith, it is time to get a grip. A new grip. As we read in Hebrews 12, 12, so take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. To take a new grip is to take 
time to be discipled as you wait quietly before God? Who, who feels like you need to get a grip on life? Who feels like life is out of control and you're doing all you can do just to keep it together? I, I shared with somebody, I feel like at times I see people wandering around almost in zombie-like states, just numb about life, just trying to survive another day. And you say, well, those must not be believers. Well, some of them are. Because they haven't been discipled to the place where they understand they can completely and fully rely upon the Lord. They haven't been discipled to the place that their faith has grown. If you're not being taught, then your faith isn't growing. It is time to be discipled. To sit and listen. Open the door to faith and believe. When you do not have the strength to to stand... And sit and listen until you hear the words, stand up. You won't always just sit and listen. There will be a day that you're going to be told to stand up. I hear all the time people say, what we need to do is we need to do something. But we're not doing anything. Well, why aren't we doing anything? Because we don't have faith to do it. Why don't we have faith to do it? Because we haven't been discipled. We haven't sat and listened. So I'm frustrated because we're not doing anything. Well, we're not doing anything because we don't have the faith to do it. But the faith is available for you if you'll stop sitting and spinning and stop and start sitting and listening. When you're in a place you don't feel like you can stand up and sit and listen, let your faith grow, and then He will say it's time. Stand up and walk. That's what happened to the lame man. The time came where his faith grew by listening intently, and he stood up. Earlier this week, I had uh, doing my morning devotion reading, and and I read four different places throughout the Bible, but these two verses, it's almost like they just jumped off the page at me. I had posted them on Facebook, so if you were distracted on Facebook, hopefully you got that. Psalm 62, 1-2 says this, I wait quietly before God. I sit and listen before God. I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will never be shaken. I am so irritated, frustrated, sickened by the things that hold us back. And I know if I'm irritated by it, I have to know that God is just so worked up over it to the point where he can't wait to see breakthrough. I'm just man. He's God. And he looks upon every face, every moment of every day, and says, I've got this for you. I want to say to you, stand up. But you haven't been listening. 
You're believing in the seen and, and not in me, the unseen. Where is your faith this morning? Is it in the scene? We've been promoting or announcing the classes that we do during the weeks here on, on Wednesdays. Why do we have them? Because if, if, if Sunday morning only is your attempt at having a, a disciplined Christian life, it's just not going to be enough. It's going to be more than Sunday mornings. It's going to have to be daily. And it's going to have to be fellowship. And it's going to have to be discipling. You're going to need to learn and know the Word. You won't survive on milk forever. This last week, I, I have been making a, an attempt to eat less and diet more and exercise and what I found was I was very tired all week long because the shakes and the milk and the things that I was having was just not enough to sustain me. My body was crying out for more sustenance, more meat. And that's true for us as believers. The milk won't sustain you. You need the meat of the Word and teaching. And yet it's, it's like, wow, that's... That's hard, though. Yeah, I'm busy. Yeah, but you're always going to be busy. You, you could be busy like the ones that were worshiping, you know, Hermes and, and Zeus. It's worthless. I feel as, as your pastor to tell you that for your own sake, you need to get into the meat of the Word. You need to be discipled. You need to sit and listen because the day is coming. You're going to have to stand up. And will you have the faith and will you be ready to do so? And we care enough to say, it's time. Get a grip. There was a, a lame man earlier in Acts, in Acts chapter 3. He was sitting there, and every day he sat there believing in the scene, believing in silver and gold, and, and he would go and beg at the gate beautiful. And as he would sit at the gate beautiful begging for the scene, silver and gold, and, and just, you know, panhandling or whatever you would want to call it in today's terminology, Along comes Peter and John. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. They were being disciples. Discipling isn't always going to be here, let me meet all your every need. It's going to be, let me give you a word of life. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. And they reached down, and the lame man got a grip of Peter's hand, or Peter's hand, and he stood up under the same command that Paul 
gave to the man in chapter 14. Stand up. We need people in our lives that will disciple us and give us a hand, and we need to get a grip, and we need to stand up. Let's pray. Dear God, you know our hearts. As there's a group of us here today, you see us as a group, you see us as a church, but you see us as individuals. Intimately know us. You know our struggles and you know our pain. You know the things in our lives that keep us lame. And Lord, it hurts. It hurts to see others rising up and walking and we're stuck in our lameness. We want that. But we don't have the faith to rise up out of it. So Lord, give us the fortitude to do, if nothing else, to just sit and listen to you speak to us, to encourage us, to bring people into our lives that will speak into our lives. Lord, we want to be purposed as a people to rise up and stand for you. That even when they may stone us because of our beliefs, even when we're challenged because of our beliefs, we won't stop. Even as Paul had many missionary journeys and every journey was full of, of, of difficulties and trials, he continued because he had an abundance of faith. Lord, that's the faith we want. I'm sick and tired, God, of seeing people fail in their walk because they didn't sit and listen long enough to see their faith grow. I don't want to see damaged believers any longer, Lord, that are failing in their faith. Yeah, there might be trials, but they can still be victorious in it as we read in Hebrews that they'll, they'll harvest peace and a life of right living. That's what I desire for these people and for this church and for this city and for this community. We come against, Lord, the, the words that have been spoken over our community. Words of death. Those aren't words from you because you're a good God. So, Lord, we pray that those words will take no root any longer in our city. That our city will be set apart, saved, set apart, and discipled to stand up for that which you've called it to be. And we proclaim that in your name, in Jesus' name. Now help us, Lord, to be disciples. Sit and listen. Get a grip. And stand up. I thank you, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Would you all stand? It's late in the hour very late and I very much apologize but I didn't know where to stop this Wednesday 6.30 there's an opportunity 530-662-3956 is the number to the church call if you need to talk if you need to be discipled we'll connect you with somebody 
Go to our website, ntcwoodland.org. Connect. Reach out. You must be discipled. Amen. What song is that? Give me faith. That's a good song. So what I'm going to ask is them to lead us in the song, and you can stay or you can leave because I'm not going to keep you here. Um, But know that you're loved very much so.